0: Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here, you'll learn about how to grow your building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're dying. So we want you to always be in growth mode. Remember, to get notified about new episodes, hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. That way, you won't miss any of our expert guests that we bring on the show. In addition, as a special thank you for being a listener of the podcast, we've got some special bonuses for you. Just go to BuilderFunnel.com slash podcast. Again, hit that subscribe button to stay in the loop and go to BuilderFunnel.com slash podcast for your special bonuses. Hey, welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode number 34. And this week I host Bobby Darnell and we dive into the world of data and CRM, which maybe to some of you sounds boring, but it's a really important and impactful topic Uh, If you're bored by numbers or that the numbers intimidate you, I think this will be a good episode. Um, There's a lot of powerful things that that sort of technology can enable for your business as you move forward and grow. So stay tuned for episode 34 with Bobby Darnell. Hey, Bobby, glad to have you on the show today. Thanks,
1: Spencer. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for our conversation. And I always think before we kind of get into the meat of what we're going to talk about, it's helpful for our audience to hear just a little bit of your background. I know you and I spoke, I think about a week ago, and uh, super interesting kind of entry into the construction space. So do you mind just sharing a little bit of your story
1: and how you got involved? Sure. I, when I get asked this question, I, I usually start off by saying that I'm a perfect example of the old saying, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> uh, I had no idea I would be doing this at uh, any part of my life. I started out uh, thinking I was going to be a pro golfer as a kid. Played a lot of golf, so you may hear a few golf analogies throughout the broadcast. I got a finance degree from the University of Georgia and thought I was going to go into finance, Uh, working for Merrill Lynch or somebody like that. I had an offer that was rescinded after a big market correction, and so uh, my roommate worked for a company called Construction Market Data. And I said, well, I'll go work there until I find something I like. And it was truly one of the biggest blessings of my life. Uh, I learned the industry from a lead generation uh, point of view. We track commercial construction throughout the U.S. and eventually Canada, Mexico, and 12 foreign countries. So we develop relationships with architects and developers. And this is, I'm dating myself here. This is before the internet. So the quid pro quo was, I would call you as an architect once a month, we'd have a five to 10 minute conversation about what you had in design. And then we would put that into our database and slice and dice it and sell it to everybody. Anybody that had anything to do with the building, they would buy our leads. And so I did that for 12 years. We grew it to a pretty good-sized company, sold it in 2001. In the last two years I was there, My job, one of my jobs was to work with the building product manufacturers, the large general contractors that bought our data. It was kind of like selling gym equipment. It was a very enticing product. Everybody's excited the day they buy a treadmill or a weight machine, but are they they as excited three months later? So my job was to show them how to leverage the leads into building new business. And so when we sold the company, it took about six months for the new owners to start clearing everybody out and bringing in their own team. And that's when I started in 2001, construction market consultants, my company, basically doing the same thing, business development, sales and marketing, and CRM consulting for the construction industry.
0: Yeah, that's, that's super cool. And yeah, it's funny how those things work out where you just say, Oh yeah, I'll go do that. And then 12 years later, <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Puts you on that journey that you couldn't have predicted, but like you said, a, a huge blessing and um, a super great experience overall. So yeah, thanks for for sharing that. And, and now it uh, sounds like, yeah, you're doing a lot of um, consulting and helping these organizations improve in kind of a few different areas. And, um, one of the first areas I wanted to dive into is sales. I think that's typically one of the hot spots for a lot of our audiences. How do we improve sales and um, how do we grow and that sort of thing. So I guess I'm curious when you first go into an organization and you're starting to diagnose sales, You know, what do you do first or where do you look first?
1: Well, one of the things I do, one of the sayings that we've sort of come up with throughout the years is, and it's still true, I've yet to meet an, a contractor. Uh, a subcontractor or a designer who started their own business because they wanted to be in sales. Uh, <laughs> sure. Our clients, and I'm sure just like yours, they're very passionate about what they do, about building, designing, installing. It's just the sales and marketing part that that's not their bailiwick. So well, the first thing we do, and here comes my first golf analogy, <laughs> is, is like they've obviously been doing something right. They're in business. And so it's like if I want to give a golf lesson, the first thing I'm going to do is watch somebody hit about a dozen balls. We're going to look at what's working in their stance, their grip, their backswing, their follow through. And we're going to keep that. We're going to look at what's not working and that's what we're going to tweak. So we can go in and look at how they generate leads. We want to look at their marketing. We want to look at their uh, down to their sales presentation. We want to look at how they track everything and see what's been working and keep that and then come in and bring in the fine sandpaper and work on that. Uh, those areas that need improvement
0: yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense i mean it's hard to figure out what the problem is if you can't you know see it in action and, and course correct from there i guess i'm kind of curious you know as you dive in and start you know watching you know observing what do you think are some of the most common challenges that you see in kind of the sales arena when you first start uh, observing
1: i guess well um, the one of the, the challenges is is to get the company to realize that they might need some change, and a lot of times it, it's easy because they they people don't call me because things are going great. You know, <laughs> sure. like, oh my gosh, we got let's call Bobby. Maybe you can tell us how to turn away some business. Yeah. <laughs> usually they come into it with an open mind that they do need to change something, and and then a lot of times uh, on my part I'll ask them questions that I probably I've got a good feeling they don't have a good answer, and it's not to zing them. It's just to, to get them thinking and, and a little bit differently than what they've been doing in the past. So a lot of times it's their, their collateral material is outdated or they, uh, their website, they're trying to close the sale on their website and when their job is really to inform. So it's, there's a lot of different facets that we look at and, and see each, each client's different, Somebody's strong in this area and, and weaker than the other. So it's just going in looking and seeing what, the, like I said, what adjustments they need to make.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure you uncover, you know, a variety of different, different issues there. And I know one of those is around, you know, technology. And I know you're heavily involved with, you know, working on, you know, a CRM platform or helping companies utilize the CRM. You know, it's interesting. I talk to a lot of companies that, that aren't using one at all. And so I guess, what would you say to those companies that aren't leveraging that sort of technology in today's environment?
1: Well, here comes another saying is that um, people that say I'm too busy for CRM is to me, they're like the people who say, I'm too busy to use a GPS because I'm trying to find out which way I'm going. (laughs) So to me, and again, I became a data geek, not by design. Um, When I was at Construction Market Data, we started in Atlanta. So, you know, as you know, construction is local. So we're selling a product for the local construction community. And then as we grew the company, as we would have, you know, in I'm, in I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, so people bought the Georgia Bulletin. They didn't buy the Georgia Bulletin and the Texas Bulletin. But as we started getting states closer together, then we did what we called, we had to make the Big Mac taste the same. You make a Big Mac in San Diego, it's going to taste like a Big Mac in New York. So that's where our data standards came in. So we had to create these data standards. So I, I say that to carry on to today, is that they don't understand... What the data can do for them. So they don't, they, they say, well, we're fine. We've been in business for, and this is a real example. We've been in business over 30 years. We have 25 offices east of the Mississippi, and we've never had CRM. So my response to that is, well, it's kind of like you're playing soccer. You've been playing soccer, you're scoring goals, you're winning games, but it's like you're playing soccer on the beach wearing cowboy boots in the soft sand. You're, <laughs> you're playing soccer. But compare that to playing on a freshly cut field and cleats and it's a whole different world so it's being able to show them the processes that they can can reduce the amount of time they chase a project whether or not they want to chase this particular uh prospect or not so and being able to show them all the different ways that just putting a, investing a little bit into some technology will make their life a whole lot better
0: yeah yeah and i, I like the analogy it's a fun one for sure um just picturing that going on.
1: (laughs) they're playing soccer, all right. but (laughs) It
0: doesn't feel like it should, yeah. Uh, It's ugly, yeah. Yeah, and, and I totally agree. There's so much that you can unpack from a CRM and things that you can learn about your own sales process, close rates, all those different types of things. But I guess in thinking about just a few bullet points of specific types of data that you feel are really impactful to companies that have a CRM in place and are actually utilizing it, are there a few things that come to mind that really help an organization kind of get on the, the grass
1: field and out of the sand? Yeah. One of the things that that I, you know, again, going back to me asking some questions and, and part of my asking the questions is to qualify them. If I can't, if I don't, if I can't help a company, I'm going to let them know that. Uh, but so uh, I usually will ask them, what is your gestation period in, in a leak? Turning a lead into a client, and they'll go, "What do you mean by that?" And I mean, typically, when you engage somebody for the first time, somebody says, "Hey, I was sitting next to this guy on a plane, and gave him his business card. You you might can help him." From that moment to when that person signs a contract with you, and they now become a paying customer, you have to, you need to measure that. And a lot of people don't measure that because uh, one of the things I tell them, if you're not, if you can't measure something, then there's no way you can tell if you're improving it or not. So if somebody says, "I have no idea." Well, then you, with the CRM, then you say, okay, look, it takes us about 14 months to close something. And then next year, we can, let's see if we can get that down to 12 or 10 months. So that's part of the process is showing them these segments of their whole sales process that if they're tracking it, then they can improve upon it. Another big uh, item to answer your question is where did you find out about this lead? and the reason that is is with crms today you can automate so much so you can create a template that says hey joe I, I saw your profile on linkedin because you've categorized linkedin as where you found that person so you can personalize your templates a little bit more so when you're doing some early prospecting it doesn't look like this real generic uh, blasé uh pre-approach letter
0: yeah yeah i think that's awesome and those are a couple of good examples i mean and you know classic what you what you're not measuring you can't improve how i mean how can you possibly and you know we we even still see a lot of people that are tracking things in excel and you know things like that but i think today with crm technology that's cloud-based you know people are on the go you need to be able to access that information and input information into that system from anywhere and i'm sure you you've seen kind of all kinds of arrangements for tracking leads and this kind of data. <laughs> I have, yes. Yeah. Um, so I know you mostly operate in the commercial space, and I think a lot of people can apply, you know, what we're talking about here today to both commercial and residential. But um, let's talk about lead qualification a little bit. What are maybe some, some common mistakes that you see companies making when they um, go to qualify
1: a lead or maybe they're not doing it at all? Uh, well, one of the things that another one of our old sayings is there's no such thing as a bad lead. There's either a good lead or a better lead. And <laughs> what I mean by that is a lot of times if you're tracking data and somebody gives you a lead, and I had, I had a comp, conference call this morning with a client about this very same topic is that, uh, there's certain people you don't want to do business with and not that, uh, they're, they have a bad reputation. Maybe they just can't, they, they're, you're, beyond what their budget is, or maybe you're beyond where you could be competitive for what their needs are. So the more you're able to refine those leads and and, and, and qualify them yourself, there's gonna be their qualification process. They're gonna to wanna to see some financials. They're gonna to wanna to see some history. They're gonna see who's the project manager that's gonna be handling my job. So likewise, you want to be able to qualify them as well. Uh, what's their history? Uh, do you have, uh, are you just going to look for my price so you can go beat up the guy you've already picked? And so there's a little bit of cross, cross qualification on both sides. Uh, just and the more data you have, then that's going to turn that from a good lead to a better lead.
0: Yeah, I, I like that. And that's interesting. Cause we typically talk about, the, you know, leads as either unqualified or qualified. And so, um, you know, I guess, how do you make the distinction between those or do you feel like, uh, you know, a good lead and a better lead, I guess, what's the difference between that and then maybe like a qualified lead and an unqualified lead?
1: Well, they're synonymous. A, a, a good lead is, is, is an unqualified lead. And I say it's a good lead because it's a place to start. Sure. Uh, you know, you can, uh, I can hand you the white pages if they still exist, if there's be, and here's 10,000 people, there's 10,000 leads to call you know, but are they going to need a commercial building? Are they going to need a new home or whatever? So they're, in your vernacular, they're unqualified leads. We don't know what their needs are. So, and one example is, is that, um, uh, I was working with a national architectural firm once and being able to show them some data. Uh, they were going after a big project and I was able to show them, well, look, the last 10 times this product, this, uh, this company went to to put out for architectural services, they've hired this one company nine of those ten times. So what are your chances of getting that? So there's a lot of different ways to t- peel back the layers to see if the lead is a, is a the unqualified lead can be a qualified lead or a good lead a better lead. So it just all depends on what your service offering is and just getting to know that sales process. When and where can we attack this? Also, as a uh, around that timeline is also part of what makes the a, an unqualified lead a qualified lead.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, and and I think one of the interesting components when you're thinking about qualifying leads, you know, you've obviously got budget or you know price, um, and then you've got is it a good fit from a service offering standpoint? Do you actually, you know, can you do what they need? Um, I find one of the other things is also timeframe and, and timeline, and I get a lot of comments around oh you know, this person isn't ready to like enter my sales cycle today. So they feel like that's a, a bad lead. Um, but they may actually be, you know, a good lead down the road, I guess. Is that something you run into or what are your thoughts around, you know, the, the time frame and the timeline part of qualification?
1: No, that's a great example, Spencer, because you know, good, better, better, best. Um, I had an example once I was working with a contractor in, in, uh, in the Midwest, they did, uh, store renovations. And so typically the large retailers, um, keep four to five, six contractors, just like this company in their stable. And, um, and so we're trying to reach out to these builders. This is a few years back when, when Walmart was doing a hundred, I mean, uh, a store a day, basically 300 stores a year. And this one particular retailer said, you know what, we've got a good stable now. I've got your information, just keep in touch. And so all I had to do was Give myself a reminder in the CRM every two three months, just touching base. How's it going? And it took eighteen months, (laughs) but on that sixth or seventh email, just saying how's it going, I get a phone call, and it says, "I can't believe your timing, Bobby. I just had to kick one of our guys to the curb. Can you meet me in Florida to walk a store?" So that's part of the process of why it's important to have everything tidy as you can on the CRM because what may seem like uh, you know a hail mary pass. Lead this; they're not going to do anything for a long time. Well, if you get a bunch of those in there, time passes, and all of a sudden these these seeds are starting to sprout. So, uh, you've got to just stay on top of it. And you're right; schedule is a big important thing. But that's why the more the merrier. Eventually, these things are going to start, you know, growing some uh, some fruit there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I love it's uh, a great example. I There's always one that I kind of go to uh, for our company, and we had somebody I talked to and. Uh, timing wasn't right. And, you know, it seemed like we were a good fit and all the other things were in place, but they just weren't ready to pull the trigger. And and then sure enough, you know, bang, three years later, we ended up working together, but you know, it, it took a long time. And so I kind of talk about it in the context of, you know, you want to be building your pipeline for now, but then all those leads that are a good fit, a good match, budget, service, whatever, just timeline isn't right. They're building that future pipeline for you down the road. Exactly.
1: That's why, you know, build funnel, you've got the big wide mouth at the top of the funnel. You know, that's, those are the things that are eventually going to work their way down to the, to the payoff day.
0: Yeah. And to your point, you know, the power of having some technology, a CRM is that you can just set up those auto reminders and, and sure, even today it can be automated, just those touch points, but I think it's a little more powerful if it's a personal follow-up, but the reminder can hit you on that day. So you it's out of sight, out of mind until it hits you. And then you go, Oh yeah, I need to send them a note. And then like what happened in your example, you know, 18 months later, it's perfect timing,
1: quote unquote. Yeah, exactly. Overnight success in 18 months. <laughs> yeah, right. Right.
0: Yeah. I like it. Hey there. I hope you're enjoying today's episode. Just a quick reminder that this show is brought to you by Builder Funnel. We're a digital marketing agency specialized in helping home builders, remodelers, and contractors like yourself grow their businesses we help you implement marketing and sales technology such as marketing automation and a CRM system, as well as drive more traffic, leads, and sales through strategies like content marketing, SEO, social media, paid traffic, and email marketing. If you want to learn more and see if we're a good fit, just send a quick email to hello at builderfunnel.com and mention the podcast. I'll schedule a one-on-one website and digital marketing assessment with you where I'll take a look at your website, show you some areas where you can improve, and we can see if we're a good fit. If you haven't noticed already, our company is huge on education. We host this podcast, create tons of videos, and create helpful blog posts to educate you guys on marketing and sales. I'll pack a ton of value into the website assessment, and I'll never pressure you to buy from us, although we're confident you'll improve your marketing and sales efforts by doing so. Again, send me a quick note to hello at builderfunnel.com Enjoy the rest of the episode. Um, In thinking about, you know, some of the inputs into a CRM, you know, we just talked about one example, which is, you know, setting reminders. And then you mentioned something else earlier around lead source. So, oh, this lead came from LinkedIn or it came from Facebook or referral or wherever it came from. Um, What do you think are the biggest challenges around making sure that data is actually entered in the CRM and it can be utilized? Cause I see it a lot where, you know, somebody's got a, a tool set, but it's, it's just a tool set and it's only as good as that information that's actually in there. So how do you kind of tackle that or, or put processes in place to make sure that data is there?
1: Well, one of the things that I try to do in every implementation is to avoid what I call editorializing. You don't want the users, uh, You know, typing, it was a dark and stormy night when I met Spencer, you know, we want to avoid that (laughs) because they're going to be spending more time, you know, and they're going to hate the system. Golly, every time I make a phone call, I got to spend 10 minutes typing. So you want to codify as much, have as as much as you can. that's just point and click. So you've got your menu. Where did I meet this person? Trade show, uh, LinkedIn, or uh, golf tournament or whatever. You've got that in there so they don't have to type. Uh, building categories, Where did you? Uh, what, are your, what is this prospect's business? Are they a religious organization? Are they a retailer? Are they a medical professional? So you've got everything in there that's codifiable. Another thing is just asking the client, the prospect, uh, what their data needs are. And they're going to know a little bit about it. But you're going to want to tell them some things that they probably don't know. Again, going back to what I said earlier about asking questions that they probably don't have a good answer for. Again, not to zing anybody, but just to, to show them. Because once you start asking them, would it be important for you to know this? Would it be important for you to know this? Because they're not going to know what they need to know in 6 or 12 months. So that's your job is to be able to say, I bet in, in a year from now, you're going to be able to look back and see how long it takes you to close a deal. So it's just having that industry knowledge of knowing what they don't know and making sure they're aware of it and then letting them choose say, yeah, that's really important to me. I didn't think of that. Or that's, nah, I can see what you're saying. That's not as important as these other things. So just making sure that from the beginning they have a plan, they have a plan of what they want to get out of the system.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it kind of brings up another question in my mind, which is, okay, so there's some things we want to track. You know, you mentioned, you know, lead source or, you know, how long does it take to, to close a, a job or get a deal Um, as you're asking, you know, those questions of somebody and thinking about how are we going to set up the CRM? How are we going to structure what we want to measure? I'm curious, do you find, do you hit a point where there's just, okay, that's too many data points to track, kind of going back to your comment of making it really easy for sales reps to update the CRM when they're talking to leads? um, Do you try to keep that to a certain number or is it totally dependent on the organization, and what, what they're trying to do?
1: no you 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 make it that's a great point it's definitely you want to reach the law the the point of diminishing returns before (laughs) where they just start dreading it and so um a large part of that is is i call crm implementation a crawl walk and run thing you want to get them to where they see the advantage of using this i mean i've done i've been involved with at least two or three hundred crm implementations from cmd and, and my own company so First thing you mentioned CRM, everybody's gonna go, oh, big brother, big brother's gonna know what, how many phone calls I make. So you've got to, you've got to alleviate that fear. You've got to let them see this is really going to be a tool that's going to help you. So uh, you've, I like to let them, you know, give them a little bit, let them chew it, see how they can digest it before you start adding points. And typically, what'll happen is they'll, if you start off to where it's a palatable amount of, of you know, time per, you know, encounter. If it's a phone call, if it's a meeting, they go, Oh yeah, I was be able to track that. So next time I call them, I can say, Hey, yeah, I saw you at the AIA meeting or whatever. Then they're going to like that. And then before you know it, they're going to come back and say, Hey, I had this idea. Can, can we make the system do this? <laughs> so yeah. you definitely don't want to overwhelm them with this long laundry list of, okay, every time you make the phone call, you got to do this, 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 this. They're going to just, Oh my gosh, you got to show them. This is really a tool. It's a lever. And depends on where you put that fulcrum, is it going to make an easy lever or is it going to be something you're reaching for and you can't you can't move anything? So that's a great question.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great point, you know, because like we've talked about earlier in the episode, you know, the CRM is only as good as the data that goes into it. But if you make it so that nobody wants to put the data in there because it's, uh, you know, like writing a novel to get all the information in then. Forget about it. You won't have any data. So, you know, to your point, you know, yeah, go yeah, ahead.
1: I'll share a quick story with you. I, Please do. Several years ago, I was asked, uh, I, I got a blog called building new business and I talk about, you know, marketing and sales and business development. So I was invited to participate in this panel of other construction bloggers. I think there were six of us and the media company that asked us to do this. They wanted to do it. we we all blogged on the same topic. What's the best CRM? <laughs> and we were going to release our blogs. We weren't going to talk to each other. Everyone was going to release their blog posts on the same day, same time when we did. And it all came back. We all wrote about the same thing. The best CRM is one that your company will use. We didn't yeah. name anyone because they're all, you know, but if, if you've got to use it. So that's that underlines your point is that you've got to make sure that they, it's something they want to use and will use.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So almost the best one is maybe the easiest to use. (laughs) Right.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think that's a great point. And yeah, I think for people listening, you know, if you have a CRM, but you're not getting what you want out of it, you know, maybe pair back the things that you're trying to put into it and just pick a, a few key areas and kind of build on that over time versus trying to, you know, do it all at once. Exactly. Yeah. So Bobby, I shifting gears a little bit here. Um, I know when you and I spoke, we kind of talked about, you know, sales reps and how they're using CRM in different stages of the process. We talked about lead qualification earlier, but maybe getting to that presentation mode where you're a little bit further down the line, you know, what are some common mistakes that you see there when, when sales reps go to, you know, present?
1: One of the things that when, when I think about that or I get challenged with that, uh, my, when I was at school, right before I was about to get out, Uh, I took a two hour course at the planning and placement center. That's where the companies come in and say, Hey, you know, we're hiring for this. And this," and it was just, it was a great course because one of the things they did was they videotaped us doing a mock interview. And so I walk in thinking, you know, okay, this will be exciting. And and, uh, we did the little mock interview and I walked out thinking, Oh my gosh, I crushed it (laughs) until I saw the videotape. And brother, my leg was going up and down like a sewing machine. I was just so nervous. And so what I encourage people to do is if you in, within your network, you know, let's say you're an HVAC contractor if you're your lawn and landscape contractor. Well, you've got to go in and you've got to do sales presentations. A lot of times you're coming in before a building committee or whoever the decision maker is and your competitor was before you and you've got a competitor after you. So do your sales presentation to somebody in your network. If you're a landscaper, have your HVAC buddy come in and listen to your sales presentation and and get some input input or or some critique from somebody else that does the same thing for a living. That's one thing I encourage them to do. Another thing is to make sure that they ask questions. Um, You know, what is it that you're, if you had a project like this, tell me, Spencer, what has done, what have you done in the past that you want to happen, have happen on this project? And they could say, well, I want us to finish on time, or I want us to stay under budget, or name something that happened last time that you don't want to happen on this. Show that you're you're more concerned about them enjoying the entire process. It's like the old saying, if somebody goes to the hardware store to buy drill bits, what do they need? They don't need drill bits, they need holes. So make sure you're talking and addressing to them on what their real need is. And I'll give a quick example. I was doing some business development contracting, contract business development for another one of these companies that were working in na- nationally across the country into retailers. And I went through uh, more presentations than I cared, you know, just it's my competitors in front of me, here we are, and then competitors after me. When I found out that what we were really selling was not, these remodel services, we were selling that your phone's not going to ring at 10 o'clock. And so once I started addressing that and, and showing what technology we have to keep that phone from ringing, our hit rate went through the roof. So make sure you're really understanding, do they need their grass cut? Yeah, they need their grass cut. Do they need this? Yeah, they need that. But what is it they need beyond that? Beyond what? Because you're not bringing a lot of... Uh, of um, Uniqueness to cutting grass, so you've got to show them what you can do that's your differentiator, and finally that is it. A lot of people just don't have a good answer for what differentiates you from the the, the company in front of you and the company that's following
0: yeah, and really that last piece that you just said there um, I find that to be extremely true is finding you know what is it that differentiates you, and not a lot of companies have that nailed down, uh, but I really like your points in there because think a lot of salespeople tend to just get into presentation mode and just spewing information. But to your point, you know, kind of asking questions, uncovering what that that real pain is or that real desire, aside from just like, of course I need this service. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is it behind that? Because then you can you can play off of that and, and speak to that and address it. So I think those are those are awesome points. And and Bobby, you know, I've got one more question for you as we kind of wrap up for today, but um, you know, how can people connect with you or find out more about you, you know, find you online, that sort of thing.
1: I love talking shop, as you can tell. I dedicate four hours a week to just doing exactly that, setting up a time and, and you know, and just, you know, a lot of times uh, we can just address something over the phone that they can try. But I can be, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Bobby Darnell with Construction Market Consultants. Our website is www.cmconl.com. Dot com that's probably the best way to find us.
0: Okay, perfect. Yeah. And we'll make sure to link that up in the show notes for anyone that wants to connect with Bobby. And Bobby, as we wrap for today, I've really enjoyed, you know, our conversation and kind of diving into the world of CRM. That's definitely an area of interest of mine. Um, but if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be?
1: I love what you do. Um, I, I, you know, a lot of times people get into they start their own business. Uh, they one day work, you know, quote unquote, work for the man and said, you know what? I can do this as well as Spencer. They get that one contract and then they start, uh, building a business and, and hating because they're not doing what they love. So bring in people that, that love the part that you don't. And just stay passionate about what you do and, and, and then uh, just seek advice. There's people out there, your company for one, just go seek advice. The construction industry is, knows better than any other industry about the subcontracting process. So seek, you know, hey, I need some help with my marketing. I need some help with my search engine optimization. Seek a little help out there just like you do for some of your sub trades. And then you'll, you know, uh, it's just kind of like uh, my golf analogy. If you're playing to an 18 handicap, tweak your grip a little bit, then get down to 12. and next thing you know, you'll be in single digits.
0: I like it. Yeah, that's, that's great advice to, to end the show on. And Bobby, thanks so much for joining me today. This was awesome. Thanks, Spencer. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Bobby Darnell. And as always, I know you're on the go, so I'm going to summarize just a few action items that I took away from today's episode. So first action item was... Uh, when thinking about leads and the qualification process, uh, Bobby talked about good leads and better leads. Uh, internally, we talk about them as unqualified and qualified leads. Again, either way. But the idea is that you really need to have that nailed down. So as you're getting leads in the door, you know how to qualify them and you have a process for that. Action item number two was kind of going back to the analogy of playing soccer in the sand. And so implementing this sort of CRM technology allows you to play the game how it should be played. So setting up technology that's going to move your business forward and making that a priority. Action item number three is thinking about the data points that you want to enter into your CRM and keeping those kind of at a minimum to start. So picking a few things that you really want to track, make sure that you and your team are using the CRM and getting everything you want out of it. And you can always build and add on to it from there. So again, hope you enjoyed today's episode number 34 with Bobby Darnell, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks for joining us today on Builder Funnel Radio. Don't forget to visit www.builderfunnel.com for tons of free marketing and sales resources. And if you ever need hands-on help implementing your marketing and sales system, just send a quick note to radio at builderfunnel.com. And as we close for today... Remember, never stop learning. See you next time.